0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. We hope for every listening, you are blessed by this week's message. Oh, come on. Let's just enter some worship right now. Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you for our worship team. But would you just lift up your hands and just begin to worship God? Father, we thank you, fill us up, fill us up. From the inside, Lord, fill us up. Lord, before we get into your word, we just wanna love on you, appreciate you, and say we want more of you. Fill us up right now. Come on, let's just take a few seconds. Come on, let's just worship our God. Lift up your hands. Open up your mouth right where you are. Open up your mouth and just begin to vocalize what you want him to do in your life. Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we can't get enough of you. Lord, we hunger for you. Fill us up from the inside. Lord, let it be an overflowing work, Lord God. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. We worship you. We bless you, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we're so grateful, Lord, that even in this season, Lord, you've been so faithful, so good to us, Lord. We've lacked nothing Lord you've been so kind to us, Lord you've been generous to us, would you could you appreciate God for that? Has he been generous to you? has he been good to you? has his favor followed you, his goodness, his mercy throughout these weeks, throughout these months? Father, it could have been a lot worse Lord, we're just choosing to acknowledge your goodness we 're choosing to acknowledge your grace hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah yeah, yeah, yeah father we're so appreciative of you and we'll never stop giving you thanks in Jesus' name. I just feel so great. It feels so great to worship God. I know it does. And I want to welcome you to our broadcast. Welcome to Life Church. If this is your first time, welcome. We love you. We're here for you. Consider us your home church. If you need a home church, we want to be able to minister to you. And so we're going to have a great time in the Word of God today. I'm really excited. I'm actually going to close out our series on the book of Philippians. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the book of Philippians. We talked about chapter the 1 and 2. We went line upon line, verse on verse, and we just kind of went deep into what Paul was establishing, how he is anchored in the gospel, and he's leaving an example by which the people of Philippi should follow. And I want to ask you very simply, what anchors you? That's the question that I've been asking for the last couple of weeks. What anchors you? What are you settled on? What's anchoring your joy? Yeah, where, where does your joy lie? Yeah, these are some great questions to ask yourself because if you have the wrong answer or if your joy is centered on something that is fleeting, you're going to be up and down. You're going to be emotionally up and down. You're not going to be steady. God wants you to be steady in your temperament. He wants you to be steady in your emotions, and you can be if your joy is rooted in the gospel, in the power of God, in the plans of God, in the will of God for your life. And so we're just declaring that right now. That's what I've been speaking over you, that God's will is being performed in you fully. What he has begun, he will complete in Jesus' name. So let's get into chapter 3. He says in verse one, "Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord." There's that word again, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And so let's just let's let's just do some rejoicing right now. Somebody shout hallelujah! Yeah, if you're if you're home and you're able to, would you just jump up? If you're sitting down, and just jump up and just do a twirl, do a whirl, do something. Just demonstrate joy. Hallelujah! You may say, well, what 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 am I gonna be joyful about? One, if you know Jesus, that's a lot to be joyful about. If you are saved, man, you should be rejoicing. If you have the Holy Spirit, you should be excited. You should be one of the most happiest people on earth. You're going to heaven. You hit the jackpot. You hit the lottery. Come on, rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord. And he says this. He says, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. And you know, the reason why I think that's important is because sometimes you may hear something familiar, something that you've heard before, and you may think, oh, that's tedious. I've heard that before. But Paul is like, listen. Don't get tired of this. This is good, good news. You may think it's tedious, but it really isn't. In fact, it's actually safe for you to hear these things again. And the reason why it's safe is because even though you've heard something, sometimes that word that has been planted in your heart can be uprooted through busyness of life, through distractions, through unbelief, through different things that you've heard. He says, it's important that I share these things with you over and over and over again. And some of the things that Paul stressed to the churches that he planted, he stressed South through faith in Christ Jesus, not of your own self-righteousness. He stressed through grace. He he stressed the message of grace. He stressed these things, and he says, listen, I want you to remember these things. These these things are not tedious. In fact, they're important that you hear them over and over and over again. These things are safe for you. And then he goes into some warnings, and in verse two, he says, beware of dogs. (laughs) Obviously, he's not talking about canine dogs and, and chihuahuas and pit bulls. He's talking about People who have ulterior motives, people who want to ravage believers, people who want to uh, deceive people, the the people of God, people who come in and want to bring you out of the faith of Jesus Christ, who want to bring you into self-righteousness, who want to bring you back into the law. He says, beware of these kinds of people. Beware of evil workers. Beware of mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now that might sound like not such a good thing because we live in a time where you should be confident in yourself, right? Everyone wants to pump yourself up. Yo, you can do it. You got it. You're good, you know? And he says, look, if anybody, you know, would be confident in themselves, it would be me. And he goes into his spiritual pedigree. He says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And this is what he accomplished in the flesh. Circumcised the eighth day. Think about that. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. In other words, guys, if anyone has anything to brag about, trust me, it's me. (laughs) That's what he's pretty much saying. If anyone has anything to brag about, trust me, it's me. And he was like, I'm zealous. You know, before I came to Jesus, I was passionate about what I believed. In fact, when I saw that there were people preaching this message and I thought that they were preaching against the law of God. You know what I did? I didn't just sit on the sidelines. No, I persecuted them. I brought them to prison. I consented to the death of Stephen. Now, he wasn't bragging about this, but he was trying to say, look, if anyone is going to be confident in the flesh, if anyone's going to look at their accomplishments and say, wow, look what I did. Trust me, I have a lot I can be confident of. But he realized something. He says, these things are all self-righteousness and has absolutely nothing to do with the righteousness that's found in Jesus. What am I saying to you? What are you confident about? What gives you your pride and joy? What, what what do you boast about? Is it in your accomplishments? Is it in the things you do good? That's a double-edged sword because the moment you don't do good, the moment, you, the moment you don't accomplish something, the moment you're not successful, how are you gonna feel? You're gonna feel down. You're gonna feel depressed. You're gonna feel like you're not worth anything. You're gonna feel like I'm not accomplishing, something's wrong with me. Paul was like, listen, uh-uh. I'm not gonna fall into that trap. My righteousness is not based on my accomplishments. I have a lot I could look at and say, man, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was concerning the law. I was blameless. You know, I was circumcised. I, I, could, I could boast in that. But those things, mm-mm, those things mean nothing to me. And you'll see that his passion, his heart, his desire was the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So verse 10, he says, but what things were gained to me, these things I have counted for loss. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ." And I remember when I was um, a, a new person to the faith and just excited about the things of God. And I remember there was a time I would look back in my life and be like, man, I really walked away from some things. And really, in grand scheme of things, I walked away from nothing. <laughs> you think you walked away from some things, but you really walked away from nothing. I don't care what you think you walked away from, how valuable it was. You know, there are people who have had to walk away from money, like millions of dollars, businesses, you know, relations that were very, very dear to them. Like really things that added value to them. Paul said, listen, I had to walk away from some things. But you know what? I count them as rubbish. Those things are nothing. Those things really mean nothing. They add nothing to my life. They once did. I once looked at it like, wow, look at me. Look at this. Look at how this adds to me. But really, it adds nothing to my stature. What he took pride in, what he took joy in, was his relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you something. This is not tedious. I know I'm saying this over and over again, but I want you to get this. If your hope, if your joy, If your life is anchored in these things, you will never be a down person, a depressed person, a defeated person. You'll be anchored into something that is everlasting. That is the gospel of Christ. And this is what he's saying. All these things that were gained to me that I lost, I actually count it as a win because I'm actually gaining something much more powerful. The excellence of the knowledge of Jesus. Glory to God. Verse nine. He says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the Lord, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is, from the, which is from God by faith, that I may know him. This is what I'm really going for. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I press on. Man, this guy was on a mission. I'm pressing on for something much more than what I've already experienced. I want more. And what Paul was pushing for was the prize that his calling was was affording him. And what was his prize? What was his pride and joy? What was the crown? What was his crown achievement? You'll see it throughout the Gospels. He says, you all, you all, you are the fruits of of the ministry. You are the ones that I labor for. You are the ones that I press towards for I want to see Jesus perfected in you I want to see this this is what my pride and joy is the furthering of the gospel lives being changed this is what I'm pressing towards for this is why I'm so relentless this is why I'm not complaining though I'm in prison this is why I'm not complaining though some people have abandoned me though I have enemies on every side though I've been stoned though I've been shipwrecked though I've been left to dead though all these things have happened though I've lost a lot I'm not down because I I'm pressing toward the goal. I'm pressing toward something that will outlive me. And today, Two thousand years later, we have the book of Philippians. We have the book of Corinthians. We have Thessalonians. We have all these books that he wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that has shaped the the, the, that has shaped the world through the gospel. I'm telling you something that's amazing. I wonder. I wonder what you're pressing towards. I wonder what you're choosing to, to to really make your focus that's going to have an impact even far and beyond your life. This is possible. And this is what he understood. And he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained or attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I love this. I'm going to jump to verse 20. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that though you are in this world, you are not of it? And your citizenship is actually in heaven, which means that there are rights that you have that come from heaven. This is why, no matter what is happening in the world, in the economy, let me tell you something. I do believe that we have to navigate things that are happening. our world, but we don't have to be subject and subdued by these things. No, you come from heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven, and there are some things that you are exempt from, and you need to know that. You need to realize, the statistics may show this, and these are the trends, and this is what the reports are, but I am a child of God, and there are exceptions made for me. Not because I'm better than anybody, no, but I'm in a better position, not because of me, but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is available to everyone. And you need to know that. You need to know that you're not like anybody. You're not like everyone. You're not just some simple person who doesn't have a God in this world. No. You are a citizen of heaven. And that means all the rights of heaven. All that God has promised you. You have a right to claim it now in the name of Jesus. Oh, I'm excited about that. Let me say it this way. You have diplomatic immunity. You know when someone comes from outside of this country and, they, and they're doing business in, 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 a, in a foreign land? There are certain laws that don't apply to them. They are immune to certain laws. And I want you to know there are some laws in this world that don't apply to you. Amen. There are people who will say, oh, you have to be sick. Nope, that doesn't apply to me. Doesn't You have to experience financial hardship. Nope, that doesn't apply to me. No matter what circumstance or no what situation I'm in, I will win. I am a citizen of heaven in the name of Jesus. That is who you are. If you believe that, would you shout amen? Glory to God. Type amen. I want you to do that. I want you to let people know, I am a citizen of heaven. I'm not just a citizen of this nation or whatever nation you're a citizen of. I'm a citizen of heaven. This is why Jesus said, I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means all that is true of you, all that is true of heaven, all that is true of your desires that are being performed in heaven, let it be true in my own life on earth in the name of the Lord. Let me jump to chapter 4. We're going to close this out. This is amazing. He says, therefore my my beloved and longed for, brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for how many things? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Why is this important to say? It's because many people are anxious about a lot of things. So if you're here and you're watching me and you're thinking, man, I am worried about some things. There are a lot of things on my mind. I get it. I get it. I, I, I have to navigate through things that I have to realize, man, this could be a problem and, and this could be a challenge, and and what do we do here, and how do I fix this? But the Lord reminds me, as he's reminding you, be anxious for nothing, and he gives you a substitute for anxiety. What's that substitute? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The reason why a lot of people are anxious is because they're thinking, and they're not requesting. They're thinking, but they're not releasing faith-filled requests. Have you done that. He says, I want you to release faith-filled requests with thanksgiving. That means after you requested from the Lord, Lord, I need help in this. Lord, would you provide this? Lord, would you give this? Lord, would you send this? Lord, would you do this? And you start to request and you say, Lord, thank you that you've heard me. Thank you that this is in your word. Thank you that I have been heard by you. You've received my petition and you begin to release thanksgiving. What happens? The spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety begins to detach itself from you, and it can't grip you anymore. So right where you are, if you feel the spirit of fear, I want you to realize it's not just rebuking, it's not just saying I resist you, it's not just saying no, it's about requesting, it's about releasing your heart to the Lord, and if you release your heart to the Lord, he will answer you, and he will grant you what you have asked, and his peace will come upon you. In fact, verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God is a guard. It will keep you, it will preserve you, it will cause you not to be filled with anxiety. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm excited about that. So, if you're hearing me, if you're watching me, right where you are, release faith-filled requests. It could be a one word, Lord, help, and I receive your help. It could be, Lord, heal, and I receive your healing. Lord, deliver, and I receive your deliverance. Lord, open up the doors. Lord, do this, whatever, and begin to receive or, or release thanksgiving. And as you begin to give God thanks, thank you for the healing. Thank you for the open doors. Thank you for changing this. Thank you for hearing me. What happened? fear anxiety begins to leave you no more fear in the name of Jesus no more fear hallelujah verse 8 finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure Things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, meditate on these things, meditate on all of those things we just read. Why? Because what you think on is going to affect your mood, it's going to affect your emotions. And there's a lot of people today, they're filled with anxiety. And the reason why they're filled with anxiety is because of what they're thinking about. They're thinking constantly about how things are going to pan out. How is it going to work? When is it going to work? Why it hasn't worked? What's going on? Uh, They're thinking about this person. They're thinking about things that they can't even control. They're thinking about circumstances that they have no control over. And they're up at night. And they're up early in the morning. And they're sleeping late at night. And they're not eating. And they're overeating. And they're constantly thinking and thinking and thinking. And he says, nah, you got to think on whatever is lovely. You got to think of what what is praiseworthy. Whatever is just. Whatever has virtue, you got to meditate on these things. Yeah, that's the key thing. And what does he say? He says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And here's the promise. And the God of peace will be with you. In the name of Jesus, may the God of peace be with you. The God of peace is with you as you meditate on these things. I love a a scripture found in Isaiah 26. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Amen. Because his mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Yeah. You will keep him in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. That's where your peace lies. Where is your thoughts? What are your thoughts on? What are you thinking about? You want the God of peace to be your portion? You want peace to guard your heart and guard your mind? You need to guard your thoughts and declare, I am not going to allow my mind to think about things I have no control over. Instead, I will release requests and I will enter joy in Jesus' name. Will you do that right now? Lift up your hands and say, in the name of Jesus, I will not fear, but I will rejoice. I will not." Fear but I will release requests to God. come on, say that with me. I will not fear but I will trust in his goodness. I will not be anxi- anxious, but I will trust in God's plan. amen come on there is no room for anxiety in your life. no no no, not today in the name of Jesus. all right let me let me wrap this up verse 12 let me come um, we'll, we'll actually do verse 10. but I rejoice in the Lord greatly and now at last your care for me has flourished again Again, though you surely did care, and he's speaking very personally now, because Paul was supported by the churches that he planted, and some churches didn't do a great job in supporting him. That's a reality, even in ministry. And I, you know, as a pastor, there are people who faithfully support the work of the Lord, and there are people who don't. You know, I remember early on in the ministry that would be something that would kind of frustrate me at times. Like, why, why aren't people, you know, faithful in their giving? And the Lord would remind me, take your eyes off people. Put your eyes on me. I'm the one that will lead people to be, you know, a, a blessing and give. And they'll always will be. Listen, it's going to sound like a negative statement, but it's true. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm at peace with this. It will always be faithful people and unfaithful people. That's just what it is. And I, I'm, I would have to encourage myself in that reality. Don't try to fixate on who's faithful, who's not. It will always be the case. There will always be people who will dedicate their, 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 their giving to the work of the Lord. There'll there'll always be people who will be generous, and there'll be be people who are not. There'll be people who will just be more about their bills, more about their life, more about what concerns them, and not really be passionate about giving to the kingdom of God. Paul was no exception. He dealt with that. He planted churches, and there were some churches who didn't support him even while he was in prison, but not the church of Philippi. He, He had a special relationship with them. He says, no, but you guys, you cared for me, and he appreciated that. He said, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content praise the Lord that's the key aspect are you content in whatever state you're in and this is a good example for you I just gave an example for me as a pastor but as you as an individual I'm sure that you can relate to people who have supported you with different things they were there they were a good friend to you they, 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 they were someone that you could pick up the phone and they would answer your call maybe you went through a difficult season and you had people that were by your side they would pray for you and then there were some people that were mia people that you expected to be there people that you expected to support you, people that you expected to be a good friend to you, right? Paul said, listen, it's okay. I get it. You know, there were times you wanted to do more, but you couldn't because you lacked opportunity. And there were times you did great. And I received that. And there were other churches who didn't do anything. And there are churches who did things. Paul understood the needs. He understood that people will be there. They won't be there. He says, but this is the good news. I am not bothered by any of that because I've learned to be content in whatever state I am in. That means here's another reason why you you can be joyful. If you tap into the revelation that whoever is here for you, there for you, supporting you, not supporting you, a great friend, not a great friend, present, MIA, it doesn't make a difference. Oh, it really doesn't if you tap into the reality that you have everything you need in the presence of the Lord. And he says, listen, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. I want people to be there, no question. I want people to be faithful, no question. I want supporters, no question. But if I don't have it, I'm not going to crumble. I'm not going to be in depression. I'm not going to hang my head low. No. I've learned to be content no matter what is going on in my life. Here's the question for you, my friend. Have you learned to be content? Or is your contentment rooted in who's around you? Who's cheering you on? Who's supporting you? Who's a good friend? Who's a good neighbor? Who's a good family member? You know, if if it's rooted in those things, you're going to be up and down. But I'm speaking once again, it will not be for for you in Jesus name you will be content and he says I've learned to be content in whatever state I am in verse 12 I know how to be abased I know how to lack. I know when things are not right. I know I know how to not be a miserable person when things are not flowing. I know how to do that. You know, I know how to keep my joy. I know how to keep my peace when everything is not clicking. I know how to do that. I know how to be alone. I know how to be a single man. Paul's a single man. I know how to handle myself. He says, I also know how to be abound, how to abound. I know how to enjoy the goodness of God. Some of who don't know how to abound. Like goodness comes. Oh, no, 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 no. They can't receive it. Or great things happen. Oh, no, 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 you don't have to do that. No, he says, I know how to abound too. I know how to receive. I know how to enjoy the goodness of God. I don't have to, I I don't feel unworthy when great things happen. No, I know how to really tap into God's favor also. It's all good. He says, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's really where that scripture comes from. We usually use it when we got take a test, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or when we got to go for a job interview, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or when we got to face a difficult situation, I can do, and, and you could. It's all good. You can use that. You certainly can. Because it's true in those circumstances. But I want you to realize, Paul was talking about something different. He was referring to the fact that no matter what's going on in my life, whether it looks great or not, I'm good. I can be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I appreciate your support. Oh, how I do do but there were times you lacked opportunity it didn't put me in a bad mood it didn't make me upset I was good I'll be good with your support I'll be good without it I'm good because of God that's the attitude you need to have oh I want my friends to be here I want this person to support me I want this person to believe in me it feels good when I have people encouraging me but if I don't have it it's okay God is still with me his presence still helps helps me I'm content being in the presence of the Lord he he will supply the need. That's the attitude of a winner. That's what you need to have in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that and if you receive that, would you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Glory to God verse 14. Let me wrap this up. Nevertheless, you have done well. So he's now commending them. He says, nevertheless, having said all of that, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So this is where he gets real personal. No, there was, <clears throat> all the churches that I established, they really wasn't there for me. They wasn't supporting me. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you were there for people that weren't there for you. Maybe you helped people and then when you needed help, they weren't there for you notice, it didn't put Paul in a sour mood. He he wasn't talking bad about them. Oh, these, these ungrateful people. I can't stand them. I'll never do anything. No, he just says, listen, the reality is they weren't there, but you were. And he says, you've done well. I love that. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That means the aid that you gave me, you empowered me and enabled me to produce fruit in the kingdom, to help others know about Jesus, to cause the power of God to be known, guess what? That is fruit that is abounding to your account. There's an account, if you would, in heaven that has your name on it, and it has things in the account. <laughs> Glory to God. And that account is the fruit of the kingdom of God or the gospel of the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward. And you can rejoice that you helped supply that fruit. He says, "That's what I am rejoicing over. That's what I'm seeking. I, I, I definitely appreciate your support, but I really am appreciating or, or or looking after what your support will do. And whatever your support does, that goes to your account. That's what heaven is looking at. Glory to God." Verse eighteen: "Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things which you sent, which, which, which the things that, that that were sent from you." sweet smelling aroma and an acceptable sacrifice well pleasing to God and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus again that's another scripture we love to quote philippians 419 my god will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus amen and he will he will i don't want to make it legalistic like oh unless you do this he won't do that but i want you to really appreciate why paul was saying this he was saying guys you've been faithful you've been there for me when I was in prison, when you could have walked away, when I look like a loser, <laughs> when I look like it was failing, when, when I'm in prison and, and, and people are preaching for different reasons and, there, and there's other ministries that are doing this and doing that and I'm locked up in prison, you still supported me and he says you know what I won't forget that and he releases a blessing over their life and he says God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus that's what I'm speaking over you those who have been committed in giving of your finances of your resources God sees that there's nothing you can give that will go unnoticed by God and that's why everything that you give matters to the Lord that's one of our that's one of our declarations that my giving matters it is my worship to God it matters to God. Absolutely it matters. When you say, Lord, I want to give towards the work of the King of God, it matters. It makes a difference. Praise the Lord. And God sees that. And this is the blessing that he will supply all of your needs, all of your needs according to Christ according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Come on that's good news now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever amen. Man that's it that's what what I got for you that's Philippians that's amazing and I want you to know right now you can have this this grace of walking in joy and contentment and peace no matter what is going on that's what I want you to really walk away from when when you look at the book of Philippians this is a book that speaks of conquering whatever is around you that would seek to conquer you, that would seek to bring you down. You cannot be brought down, no matter what's going on. You cannot be brought down if the gospel is your anchor. Let it be in Jesus' name. As I close, I want to speak to that one individual, that two, that maybe two, three, four, a hundred. How many people are watching? I don't know. But I want you to know that Jesus is calling you into relationship with him. If you don't know him, this is your moment to know him. And you may say, how do I do that? You simply ask him to come into your life. And this is how you do it. Repeat after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my savior. Forgive me of my sin. I believe he died for me, rose the third day, and is alive today. Receive me. I receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that for the very first time, you are a child of God. You may say, I was always a child of God. No, you really wasn't. (laughs) You really wasn't. You was loved by God. You was a creation of God. Absolutely but you weren't a child of God. But when you received Christ as your Savior, you became a child of God. That means there's a special, intimate relationship you have with Him. And I want to encourage you to cherish that relationship. This is how you do that. Let us help you grow spiritually. Would you do that? How do you do that? Just send us an email. All you have to do is type three words, I received Jesus. Would you do that? Send it to info at nylifechurch.com. We want to give you some information on how to grow in this new walk with Christ info at nylifechurch.com We're here also to pray with you. So whether you receive Christ right now for the first time or maybe you've been in the faith for some time and you need someone to pray for you, hang on. We have our prayer team that wants to minister to you. You'll see how you can connect with them right after this message. But we are here for you. We love you. God bless you. I'm so excited. Soon and very soon, I think next week or two weeks, I'll be sharing an exact date where we'll be gathering again. So just get excited about that. But I'm really excited to see you Again, I love you, Life Church. God bless you. Have an amazing week. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose driven life.